All right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me first to Psalms 32. We're going to have three scripture verses that I'm going to use as our text. But uh, this morning we're going to do part two of I Am Blessed in Christ series. I Am Blessed in Christ. This morning we're going to look at I Am Blessed in Christ because I am forgiven. I Am Blessed in Christ because I am forgiven. And so our first verse of, uh, verses of text is Psalms chapter 32. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Psalms 32 verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. David said, Blessed is the man who is forgiven. All right, then turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 13. Romans 10, 13. It says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pretty direct, isn't it? Pretty simple. It's not complex. Very direct. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then turn with me to 1 John, not the Gospel of John, 1 John, the one just close to the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John 1, 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No room for doubt. No room for questioning. Have I been forgiven? No room for uh, wondering. Is my past my past? Is my past been wiped out? Is the sins of my old lifestyle gone? There's no room for doubt, no room to question. Does Jesus still remember the things I used to do in a past life? When Jesus forgives you, it is forgiven, it is forgotten. If you remember it, it's either your flesh remembering it, or it is Satan whispering in your ear trying to cause you to live with guilt and condemnation but as far as Jesus is concerned your past is under his blood and it's never to be remembered again 
Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now for your anointing. Let your anointing rest upon me, Lord, to preach these words with power and authority. And Lord, I pray that you have already prepared our hearts for this message and that it would fall on fertile ground, bringing forth a harvest of fruit for your glory. Accomplish these things, Lord, by your power and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalms 32, verses 1 and 2, tells us, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. For those who have called on the name of Jesus and received forgiveness of their sins, he is the one who is blessed. In this life and in the life to come, for those who believe that there is no afterlife, that there is nothing after this life, this doesn't mean anything to you. But for those of us who know there is an eternity, an eternal destination, whether it's heaven or hell, this scripture is something for us to grab onto. That those who have turned to Christ... Blessed are they. And then verse, uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 13 and 1 John 1 9 tells us forgiveness and salvation comes through Christ and Christ alone. There is no other way for salvation. There is no other path leading you to salvation. There is no other path that leads you to an eternal destination in heaven. It all comes through Christ. It's made available by Christ, through Christ. John chapter 1, verse 12, goes a step further in those who, or to those who receive Him, receive the right to become children of God. Turn with me to, to 1 John, or not 1 John, excuse me, to John, the Gospel of John. Chapter 1, verse 12. I want us to read it. I want us to see it. John 1, 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. I want that to sink in just a moment. You're not just forgiven. You've been made a child of God once again. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve as his children. And they were in a perfect situation. They were sinless. They, had, they were in right relationship with God. When our sins are forgiven, we still have that, na that nature, that human flesh that sometimes desires sin. But when we are forgiven, we are made whole. And we've been given the opportunity to have a relationship with the Lord. And in that relationship, 
God says, you are my child once again. Can you think of a greater blessing than that? To be a child of God. No longer an enemy of God, but a child of God. That's better than any financial blessing of any size, let me tell you that. Amen? It's better than becoming the president of any company, regardless of the size and the blessings that come with that uh, success. It's even better than becoming the or having the fame of a celebrity, and the popularity of a celebrity. To have God look at you and say, "That's my child." I am blessed in Christ. Because I am forgiven and I now am a child of God. The first blessing we receive in Christ is forgiveness. Through our confession of sin and forgiveness, we are redeemed, we are reconciled, and we are reclaimed. And for a moment, I just want to look at this. We deserve God's wrath. Because of our sins. But we receive his love through his son Jesus. We deserve God's wrath because of our sins. And yet we receive his love because of Jesus. We are blessed in Christ. Let's look at those three words. Redeemed, reconciled, and reclaimed. First, We are redeemed. The blessing of Christ of being redeemed is this. The dictionary gives these definitions for the word redeem. To buy back. To buy back. To set free by paying a ransom. To deliver from sin and its penalties by a sacrifice made for the sinner. Yes, that is in the dictionary. Noah Webster was a man of God. To restore to favor. To make worthwhile. This is what Christ did for us through his death. And the two definitions that I love the most of these definitions is to restore to favor. And to make worthwhile. My my life has been given value through what Christ done for me. We are blessed in Christ because He has restored us to favor with God the Father and made us worthwhile to Himself. There are days where we don't feel like our life has much value, don't we? We just feel beaten down by life. But the reality is, we live with God's favor. And our life 
is valuable to the God of all creation. We are not just part of his creation. We're not just another one of the animals here on earth. But we've been made in his image. And our life is a valuable, is a value to him. That's an amazing blessing to me. To be worthwhile to God places an immeasurable value on your life. And to add God's favor to your life means that whatever you attempt, whatever you do in His name, has His hand of favor. His blessing is upon you. Second, we are reconciled. The blessing in Christ of being reconciled. The dictionary gives us this definition for the word reconciled. It means to make friendly again. To make friendly again. Now th- that doesn't necessarily mean you're made friendly. Every one of us have seen some sour Christians before, haven't we? <laughs> but what it means is God has been made friendly toward us. God has been made friendly toward us. Christ has removed us from deserving God's wrath and placed us under his hand of favor. Abraham was called a friend of God. David was known as a man after God's own heart. When you made Christ the Lord of your life, you became a friend of God. The Bible says that when we were in our sins, we were enemies of God. Deserving of His wrath. And not just deserving of it, But if we remained in those sins and remained an enemy of God, we would feel the wrath of God. When we we stand before Him on Judgment Day. But because we've been reconciled, God has been made friendly toward us. To become friendly toward us. We are no longer cursed. We have become joint heirs with Christ. To me, that's, that's a, an incredible blessing. And the third is reclaimed. The blessing of, in Christ of being reclaimed. This is probably my favorite of the three. 
The dictionary gives us these definitions for reclaim. It means to rescue or bring back from error. To demand the return of. Isn't that awesome? To demand the return of. Think about this. Jesus demanded your return from Satan's possession. He didn't just suggest it. He didn't say, well, Satan, you know, I would like to have Mike Miller back under my fold. I'd kind of like to make him a, a minister, so would you mind letting me have possession of him now? He didn't suggest it. He demanded it. He looked Satan straight in the eye and said, He's mine, give him back. I purchased his soul, give him back. We're no longer slaves to sin because we've been reclaimed. By Jesus. The Bible says we were slaves to sin, which made us slaves to Satan. But Jesus demanded he give us back to him. And now we are slaves of righteousness. Christ now owns us. We are his possession. How cool is that? Stop and think about that. Jesus demanded you be returned to him. I want to take you to a portion of scripture that gives us a vivid picture of this happening. It's found in Zechariah. It's one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Right before the end of the Old Testament, I think it's Malachi, yeah, Malachi and then Zechariah is right before Malachi. So it's, if you find the Beginning of the New Testament, just move back a couple of books and you'll find Zechariah. We're going to look at chapter 3. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but we're going to look at the highlights of chapter 3. And I want you, as we're looking at this, I want you to place your, yourself in Joshua's place. As we look at this, you become Joshua. Now I understand that this is a messianic prophecy. What the Messiah would do. But place yourself in Joshua's place. Because I, th I believe this is a very good picture of us before Christ enters our life, and what happens to us when he does. Verse 1, 1 and 2 says, Then he showed me Joshua, 
the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Let's break this down for just a moment. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing on one side with Satan, the accuser, on the other. This is a a picture of us. As we stand before God, there's us and there's Satan. But there's also Jesus, our defender. Satan is our opposer and our accuser, but Jesus is our defender. Direct your attention to this as if it's in a courtroom somewhere. You have Jesus who is your your lawyer, and you have Satan on the other side who is the DA, district attorney. He's the one that brings the, the, the case against you. And Satan is bringing up all of these charges against you. Now Jesus, as your lawyer, doesn't bring up evidence in hopes of bringing, uh, I have it wrote down, sorry. (laughs) I knew I'd forget that. Reasonable doubt, that's it. (laughs) We've watched enough Perry Mason over the last few months, I should have known that. Your lawyer, Jesus, doesn't bring up evidence trying to bring a little bit of reasonable doubt in the, in the eyes of the jury. He's not trying to cause a little bit of reasonable doubt so they have to let you off. Jesus, as your lawyer, isn't given this as your case of evidence for you. Well, Father... He did this, but you know him. He's a little crazy. He's out of his mind when he done that. Yes, you might say he was insane. That's not Jesus' case for you. He provides evidence of your innocence. And he says, Father, these things that Satan is saying, they were true. He done it. But look at his life and what do you see? And the Father looks at you and all he sees is the blood of his son. And he looks at Satan and says, I don't know what you're talking about. 
I don't see the evidence you're presenting. All I see is the, the blood of my son. All I see is an innocent person. Case closed. And Satan keeps doing this throughout your life. Trying to accuse you of wrongdoing. But every time the father looks at you, all he sees is the blood of his son. And he says, he's innocent. Case closed. Every time Satan makes an accusation against you, Jesus is right there to defend you to the father. And every time... You hear the banging of the gavel. Innocent. Case closed. Verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Joshua clothed in filthy garments is a picture of us. Our righteousness in and of ourself is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. No matter what good deeds you've done, a person, before they are saved, their good works are stained by a sinful nature. And even though they may be good works, they still fall short of God's standard of righteousness. And it's as though we are clothed in rags of filth. But what happens is when we repent of our sins, Jesus cleanses us. And he takes off those garments of filthiness. And replaces them with his garments of righteousness. And verse 8 is this. I want to close with this. Hear, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant the branch. My servant the branch is talking about the Messiah, Jesus the Son of God. He was talking about, in this prophecy before, he was talking about the nation of Israel and its rebellion and the sins that the nation of Israel continued to commit through the years. But Zechariah prophesied there was coming a day when there would be someone who would pay the price and the cost for the sins of Israel. And that would be the branch, the Son of God. And this prophecy says that the cleansing of Israel would happen in one day.
That day was the day that Jesus was crucified. It wasn't going to be a process of cleansing. It would come instantly in one day through his death. Your cleansing came through the death of Christ, the Son. Through the blood that he shed being applied to your life through repentance. Cleansed you. Offer you the blessings in Christ of being one who has been forgiven. The greatest blessing we can receive from Christ and through Christ is forgiveness. His forgiveness gives us redemption reconciliation and reclamation remember to be redeemed is to be restored to God's favor to having our life been given value to be reconciled is to be made friendly again we are no longer enemies of God It is to be reclaimed, to have Jesus demand your return to him. Jesus willingly paid the price for your salvation. And it is his desire to have that open relationship with you. I'm going to open the altars. And what I want you to do is spend a little bit of time realizing the blessing you have in Christ through your forgiveness. To have Jesus, the, 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 the knowledge of that Jesus redeemed you, he reconciled you, and he reclaimed you. And so I want you to spend just a few moments thanking him for that blessing. Because that blessing opens you up to all the other blessings that he has for you. But let's just take a few moments to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. And the blessings I have in you. Thank you for demanding I be returned to you. Thank you for reclaiming me. I wasn't worthy of that, but thank you for seeing something in me that caused you to demand Satan let go of you and return you to him. Let's find a place of prayer and thank him for this blessing.